0: Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be reacting to Arsenal's first pre-season friendly of the summer, a defeat up at Easter Road against Hibernian. Now, I'm not going to go into meltdown because it was a pre-season friendly, and for me, A preseason friendly at this stage, especially, is about getting minutes under players' belts, getting fit, getting ready, and building towards your peak condition for the start of the season. That's what it's all about. I'm also not going to try and play the noble Arsenal fan who pretends that he was really excited to watch Arsenal playing again and it was a massive buzz and all of that jazz because it was crap, it was boring it nearly put me to sleep. I was constantly clock watching. It was awful. It was everything you don't want a football match to be ultimately meaningless. It was a chance to get a glance at some of the younger players. It was a chance, as I say, to get people fit or start working towards their fitness, to get minutes under certain players' belts. And of course, we're missing a few players who took part in the European Championships and therefore uh, are now currently on holiday and not with the squad uh, up in Scotland. I want to talk about a few players in particular, um, and we're going to get into some of your comments and thoughts in the live chat because um, I can see that you, you're quite animated in there already. There's a lot of comments coming through. Um, I, I think we need to, you know, and I've already said it, but I think we really, really need to, put into context, the fact that this match doesn't mean anything. And had we had gone and won it 6-0, I'd have been saying the same thing. So this is not me trying to make out that it doesn't mean anything because Arsenal lost. My view isn't any different because of the result. It is a game um, that, you know, you you see as an exercise. You saw Mikel Arteta make a load of changes during the game. We saw a few players look look quite sharp. Um, And we saw some players look completely off the pace. And this is the thing with preseason and what's really, really difficult about it, because the players only returned to training last week. And what happens is after a preseason, after or after a summer, I should say, is you get players come back and their fitness levels are varying. So you'll get some players who really look after themselves, who really make an effort during the close season to keep their condition At the highest possible level. And then you probably get others who take their foot off the gas a little bit, who let it slip a little bit and end up in a place where they've got more work to do than others as they look to build up their fitness ahead of the new season. Some players, it takes them five, six weeks to get up to peak condition. Others can do it in less time it's, it's a very difficult thing to manage because you've got players at different fitness levels and you've got players, um, with different bodies and different sort of age profiles and, and lots of other things that obviously, um, that play a part in that. I'm going to touch on a few uh, bits and pieces. I know a lot of people on social media were, were having a go at, first of all, pierre Emrika Bamian because he didn't quite look up to the pace. Um, And, you know, again, I'm not going to go big on slagging off anybody because I don't think it's right off the back of this game. But I do want to talk about uh, a young man who uh, has been ridiculed by some on social media, in my opinion, completely unfairly. And that is the young goalkeeper, Arthur Oconquo. Look, it was his first appearance. Um, He didn't exactly fill anybody with confidence. It has to be said he didn't look comfortable. Uh, How much of a part did nerves play in his performance? Probably a significant part. But for me, I think, again, it's one of those where this kid has obviously been given a contract at Arsenal because people at the club, within the club, the decision makers have seen enough of him over a period of time to suggest that he can go on and be a good player and we shouldn't get stuck on a mistake that happened in a pre-season friendly, in a pointless pre-season friendly. Um, I think the pass back to him uh, for the error that led to Hibernian's opener was a poor pass from Cedric. But even having said that, I think a Okonkwo probably can do better. Uh, he's got to make the decision as, uh, around what it is that he wants to do, and he's got to make that decision quicker. He hesitated. I think that caused him to get stuck in between two minds, and then we all saw what happened. Um, But, you know, sometimes as a youngster, you're thrown in at the deep end, you're thrown into a position that you maybe didn't expect to be in three or four weeks ago. But for me, um, when you look at Arthur Conquo, what I would say is he will have learned a hell of a lot more about himself and about the game of football off the back of making that mistake. And, Off the back of making that mistake at a time where the wider Arsenal fan base, not just those that watch the under-23s, not just those that have a keen eye uh, for the youngsters, we're all watching, we're all paying attention. He'll learn more from that, and I think he'll be better for it than had he played a half of football in which he hardly touched the ball and came off of it or came out of it completely scot-free. So I don't necessarily think that what happened to Arthur Oconquo this evening was a bad thing I think as I say he'll learn from it he'll get better he'll get stronger and it's unfortunate we move on um nobody expects Arthur Conquo to be lining up in the Premier League in between the sticks next season I think we can all agree that beyond Burn Leno we are really light in the goalkeeping position and we do need to bring somebody else in Runarsson has been linked with a move away he's clearly not uh part of the plans um So, yeah, I'd expect Arsenal to bring a goalkeeper in and therefore I'm not too worried about Okonkwo being sort of pushed forward and rushed into something that he's not quite ready for. But uh, a very big goalkeeper, very commanding presence. Uh, I think he's got all the ingredients to go on and become a very good goalkeeper based on what I've seen of him prior to today as well. So um, just wanted to shout out on uh, Arthur Okonkwo on that because, you know, there are always some idiots on social media that need feel the need to to have a go and to dig into an individual and and i just think in in this case it's completely unfair if he does it in an fa cup semi-final or a champion or a europa league quarterfinal you, you can maybe discuss it a little bit more but it, in this context it's meaningless meaningless isn't it uh let's talk a little bit about some other players uh, eddie and Ketia was handed a start, and it was interesting to see the way Arsenal lined up from the beginning. It was like a 4-4-2. It looked as though Aubameyang uh, and Enketia were playing through the middle together. Aubameyang obviously slightly to the left, but they looked like a front two. And um, and Enketia uh, showed me what Enketia always shows me, which is uh, a willingness to run, a willingness to press, uh, a really good work ethic but probably a lack of technique at times uh, and a lack of composure when it really, really matters. Obviously, he made that uh, contribution and, you know, he closed down the defender who made a mistake off the back of Nketiah's pressure. Nketiah forced him into the error, takes the ball, almost walks through on goal. It felt like he had all the time in the world, Eddie Nketiah, opens up his right foot, makes it very obvious, in my opinion, where he's going to place the ball and then places it wide. That was really disappointing for me because I've, you know, I've just gone on and I've just kind of rambled on about the insignificance of preseason friendlies and how unimportant they are. But for players like Eddie Nketiah, who are on the peripheries of the first team, who are probably playing for their futures, it's not the be all and end all, but it's, more significant than it would be to somebody like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's been there, done it, proved it, got the T-shirt. Eddie Nketiah still has a lot to prove at Arsenal. And for me, again, I don't want to dwell on any individual or any individual moment too much, because as I keep on saying, pre-season friendly, not that significant. But for Eddie Nketiah, that was an opportunity to show that his work ethic can force people into mistakes and that once he does get into those positions he's a nice cool finisher um, and somebody worth keeping around somebody uh, worth consideration for the first team worth being considered at least as a substitute on a regular basis once the Premier League resumes and I think inketia again kind of missed the opportunity to do that and it's a little bit disappointing I think it's for the best for Eddie Nketiah that he probably moves on. Um, I've said this for a while now, and, you know, I just, I don't like seeing him struggle. And and I feel like, you know, him missing that opportunity, as I say, although it's not significant in the, the bigger context of things, it's just, it, it kind of highlighted the good and the bad of Eddie Nketiah in the space of about 10 seconds. Moving on to another player who's been on the fringes in recent times and and got an opportunity, Uh, in the first half this time around to show what he could do. Rhys Nelson, I thought Rhys Nelson actually looked quite lively. Um, And I think Reese Nelson's been uh, slightly unfortunate in that Pakaio Saka's rise to prominence in a position that Rhys Nelson would love to play in has, um, you know, has really uh, kind of put a block on him progressing. But I also think that when Rhys Nelson has been given opportunities, he's not always necessarily taken them. And I thought he looked lively in the first period without ever really doing enough to say, yeah, you know, you got to consider me. I am ready. I'm the man. I think he's another one that probably needs to move on, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, we saw uh, Sejka Lasinac return to the side. Of course, spent the second half of last season on loan at Schalke as a player that a lot of fans uh, want to see the back of. But for the time being, at least, he is a gunner. And, um, you know, Serk kalasinac is just OK, isn't he? You know, he's, he's strong, he's physical. Um, I think he's quite useful when he gets into the attacking third. Not sure about him defensively, never have been. Not saying for a second I want to see him in the first team next season. But, you know, he's got a year left on his contract. And I'm just wondering if, if Mikel Arteta sees him as a valid member of the squad, at least now. Does he look at it and go, you know, Kolasinac is 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 an experienced player and someone I want to keep around, or or was he one of a number of players that played tonight that we all pretty much think are, are gonna head for the exit door? And and that's kind of that's that's the key point here, isn't it? You know, we talked about moving players on, we've talked about it time and time again, we talked about the insignificance of this match. In many ways, it's almost putting some of these players in the shop window. It is using players that you know you're probably going to be without once the season starts because of a lack of alternatives due to people being on holiday etc cetera, etc cetera. um but you know Sarah Kalasinach for me and Alex McCarthy mentions his uh, his uh, salary which is rumored to be around about a uh, hundred thousand pounds a week from Sarah Kalasinach's point of view will he give that will he be willing to give that up? Will he be willing to move on or will he dig his heels in and and want to hang around the club uh, for another season so that he can take home uh, that wage packet? You know, I, I do wonder as well, you know, Nuno Tavares has come in and we've talked a lot about his ability to play as a right back as well as a left back. Has he been brought in with a view to covering both those positions and with a view to Say Kalasinach staying? I don't know. Look, I'm not saying I want him to stay. I just I just wonder um what role he will play, if any, and how Mikel Arteta sees the situation involving him. Let's see. Uh, a couple of other sort of mentions, Ainsley Maitland-Niles come back into midfield. Again, you know, watching Ainsley Maitland-Niles in centre midfield, it's like when you go out for, it's like when you go out for a Nando's, right? And um, you sit down and you're all excited and you're looking forward to to eating your food and you order. Um, you know, you order half a chicken and it's overcooked and it's burnt. It's, it's, it's disappointing. That's how I see Ainsley Maitland-Niles when I see him in midfield. He's like that thing that you kind of build up for. And before the game, everybody's going, oh, look, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is playing in midfield. Let's have a good look at him. And then he never delivers, never, ever produces to the level that you want. That's how I see Ainsley Maitland-Niles. That's how I see him when he plays in the centre of midfield. I think his head's gone. I think his attitude's all wrong. I've said that for probably two years now. Um, move him on. Move him on. We're not going to get for him what was on the table last summer, as we discussed during our show earlier. Um, but, you know, you've got to move him on. He's he's not not the answer for me. He's not a solution. I don't class him as a, as a midfield option even at a time when we're desperate for midfield players. I just don't see him as the right fit, don't see him as the right man. Uh, Let's talk about a few others. Um, Moving on to the second half, I want to talk about Nicola Pepe because I know he missed the penalty. Um, But I thought Nicola Pepe looked really sharp, really lively, as did Emil Smith-Rowe. And that was a great positive for me because Nicolas Pepe, for me, you know, since we signed him, he's been in a position where he's kind of like, We've all been waiting for him to just burst onto the scene. And I felt he did that at the back end of last season. I thought he dramatically improved in every aspect of his game. He was impacting games in the attacking third, but he was also working back, helping out, helping to maintain that structure um, of the, the unit in general when Arsenal were without the ball. And I was really positive about what I saw and I'm not basing this on watching tonight's game, but I do expect Nicola Pepe is my prediction now to have a really good campaign next time out. So, yeah, positive signs from him. As I say, I know he missed the penalty. Keeper was about a mile off his line, but we're not going to worry about that because it was a friendly. Uh, but, you know, I, I just wanted to give him a shout out because I thought he was uh, he was he was lively, as was Emil Smith-Rowe, as I've said. Um, we'll just touch on Hibernian's second goal quickly because... Um, you know, the first one we talked about mistake from Arthur Okonkwo, uh, which led to the goal. And the second goal was a ball come in, header at the the far post um, and, and sort of headed towards the back post again. And there were players queuing up. and And that's the worry for me there. You know, you're looking at players who, you know, are experienced enough to be able to surely, to set themselves up to, to deal with a set piece. And it was just all over the place. That was really disappointing for me. You know, the first goal, you can't cater for that as a manager. You can't account for players making individual errors of that size. But to allow Hibernians to have, I think it was two or three players queuing up at the back post to head that in the back of the net, you're kind of sitting there going, well, that means collectively as a team, you just got this horribly, horribly wrong. So again, disappointing, but again, Am I going to read into it too much? No, um, I'm not. Uh, it looks like Arsenal bought a new set-piece coach in as well. So maybe this set-piece coach will be better than the last set-piece coach. You never seem to make any improvements, not from an attacking point of view or a defensive point of view. Let's see how that goes. Um, Thomas Partey got a bit of a, a run out as well. Struck a, a good free kick against the post, had the goalkeeper rooted to the spot. Um, a decent effort from him and still waiting for him to score a goal for Arsenal of course and and the other player that I just want to kind of touch on before we go on to your thoughts and your questions from the live chat was Hector Bellerin. really actually surprised to see him involved at all what I was more surprised by was the fact that he thinks that that bloody moustache of his looks any good what on earth was that uh it looked terrible didn't it um he looked like someone out of a 70s porno film or something like that. It was it was terrible. But I'm surprised that he was included because we've talked about this being an opportunity for Mikel Arteta to put some of those players in the shop window. Um but you know from all accounts Bellerin has made it very clear that he wants out and negotiations are ongoing with Inter over a potential move. So why you would play him in a game like this I don't know, Um, but what I I can kind of read between the lines and try and establish off the back of him playing is that actually probably those negotiations are not as far down the line as we've been led to believe in the last few days and that there is still a lot of work to be done there. So Hector Bellerin, you know, involved um, and obviously contributed with an assist for that Emil smith row goal that saw us pull the game back to 2-1 and make the scoreline I don't want to say respectable because it's not, but you know what I mean? Uh, Sort of bridge the gap between ourselves and Hibernian to just a single goal. Um, But yeah, it's strange that it was strange that look, Arsenal looked off the pace. Arsenal looked like there was a real lack of cohesion, like players were not anywhere near up to speed yet. You also have to consider, and this is not an excuse, but you do have to consider it. Hibernian are further along the line in their preseason than we are because they have a UEFA Conference League uh, qualifier to come in the very very near future. So Hibernian are further down the line. They're fitter, they're sharper. And what I thought was a really great point that David Hillier made during the the show, um, where the game was being broadcast, was it's not just about the fitness. It's about the the strategy. It's about the plan. It's about where they are and where we are. Hibernian have a settled team that they want to play in this upcoming Europa Conference qualifier, whereas Arsenal are just in the situation, at this moment anyway, where they're going, we just need to get as many of these guys on the pitch as we can, so that they can all get some minutes. There'll be a few that we need to manage properly. But when you're permitted to make 10 substitutions, um, it's always going to be a bit like that, isn't it? A bit all over the place. Whereas Hibernian, they were more focused and more geared towards improving on the team that they already had set and they already had in mind for that game. And it's a very, very different way of looking at the fixture. Um you know, yes, it's a preseason game for them too, but what I'm saying is they were playing it with a purpose. Uh they were playing it with a bit more of a purpose anyway, or more of a strategy than Arsenal were. And at, they're at a higher fitness level because they are, as I say, further down the line. They've had two preseason friendlies already. This was Arsenal's first, so that does make a difference. It does make a difference. Into saying, "Come on, Harry, mate, that's a terrible excuse." It's not an excuse. It's it's not an excuse. It's providing context to the situation. If, if so, every time somebody provides context, you say it's an excuse, then w- people will just go off. And, like I was just on a stream before. Before I've done this with on Lee Judges TV, and somebody came at me in the comments and told me, "We're embarrassing because we lost to a Scottish second division side. Scottish Second Division side. Hibernian are in the Scottish Premiership and they finished third last season, which is why they're in the running to qualify for Europe, right? Context is important. Without context, anyone can spout any nonsense. Context justifies opinion. And here I'm justifying my my assessment of the game and I'm justifying why I think that Hibernian looked fitter, sharper, stronger than us. It's because they're further down the line in the preseason. I, I don't need to make an excuse for something I don't care about. I could not honestly give a shit if Arsenal beat Hibernian or not tonight because that was not the purpose of this fixture. Arsenal might have charged you 799 and made it out to be a big deal and made it out as if it was a game that we really wanted to win, but that is nonsense, and if you can't see through that, then I don't know what to say. Um, you know it is it is simply a fitness building exercise when you start getting to the last couple of preseason friendlies, then you're looking for a bit more structure, then you're looking for a bit more cohesion, then you're looking for a little bit more of what you might see when the Premier League kicks off. But we're not in that position at all. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that people are getting so wound up and losing their minds over a conversation about a pre-season friendly, our first pre-season friendly that we lost. Um, Inter says, there's no need to talk to me like I'm thick, Harry. I'm not talking to anybody like they're thick, but everything I say, and and you're, in, you in particular do this, because I see it on every single stream, Every time I make a point, it's, oh, stop loving off Arteta. Oh, stop giving Arteta a chance. Oh, stop doing this. Is that not talking to me like I'm thick? I'm sharing my opinion, which is what the show is built on. It's what people tune in for. And yet every time I share my opinion, you try and pretend, or uh, lots of you do it, not just you, but people try and pretend that there's some agenda behind it or that when I'm putting context behind a point, that I'm doing it to excuse something. I would not waste my breath or my time excusing something that I don't care about. That's it. There's no need for a meltdown. Arsenal have lost to Hibernian in a pre-season friendly. Did we, were we going to get any points if we won? No. Um, does it have any basis in the context of our season that's coming? No, uh, it doesn't. Who gives a shit? That's That's my point. If people... Are going to lose their minds over games like this? Then you will never be at peace, my friend. You you cannot go to bed at night stressed out about a game like this. You you just can't. It is it's not good for you. <laughs> it's not good for you. Um. Anyway, we'll move on from that because we'll we'll agree to disagree. But you know, uh, it's for me. It's it's just. I don't see the point of getting wound up about a game like this. I I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, Omar Miller. Here we go. Uh, Omar Miller says, uh, yes, it does matter because I'm I'm assuming you mean it. Yes, it does matter because we're going backwards under Arteta. How have you, how have you come to the conclusion? No, let me rephrase that. Does tonight, indicate that Arsenal are going backwards? In what way does tonight indicate that Arsenal are going backwards or that Arsenal have gone backwards since the end of last season over the course of the summer? Bearing in mind that half our players aren't fit, bearing in mind that half our players aren't even in the squad, bearing in mind that it was the first pre-season friendly, as I say, everybody's at different fitness levels, bearing in mind we made tons of changes throughout the game. Tonight does not contribute or shouldn't contribute to your opinion on where Mikel Arteta is taking the team. You can have the opinion that he's not the right man, and it's a completely fair opinion and a justified one. But but why, what what did you see? And I'm I'm asking this question. I want people to, to answer it in the chat. What did you see tonight that you think is a problem going into the new season? What was it about tonight's game that makes you feel that we are going even further backwards, bearing in mind that half that team probably won't even be at the club come the kickoff uh, next season. I- I'm genuinely asking because I genuinely want to know. Uh, Pep Teta says, Thank you for your very kind super chat donation. Says, Every preseason we dominate, then collapse in the Premier League. Maybe it's a new plan from Arteta playing this way in preseason and we're actually going to win the Premier League. That just proves, my friend, that preseason means nothing. Didn't Jose Mourinho once describe preseason as? fake football or something like that. Something along those lines. I'm sure somebody in the chat can dig up that comment. I just, I, 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 it's there's a, there's a desire and a willingness almost in the Arsenal fan base to be pissed off about stuff that you don't even really need to be pissed off about. And I, I just, I don't understand it. I watched the game. It was dreadful. It was fucking boring. It was crap. It almost put me to sleep. And when the final whistle blew, do you think I got up and kicked off and threw something at the TV or uh, sort of walked away cursing like I would if it were a Premier League game? No, absolutely not. Because you have to understand that the context of things, and that's why I keep saying context is so important around something. Does this have any bearing on Arsenal moving forward? In my view, and in the views of most, I would argue it doesn't. So why are we kind of getting stuck on it? Um what else have we got? Uh, Farrah says, Harry, if this game doesn't matter, then why are you doing a show about it? Because we do shows on every Arsenal game. That's what we do. Uh, that's what the podcast is. Um, and there were things to take away from the game regarding some of the individuals, which I've already discussed. Uh, but the result of the game uh, is not significant. Not significant enough for people to start arguing and losing their shit about in the chat, uh, which was always my point in the first place. Um Marble Horse TV says, I'm not a Mikel fan at all, but we should judge him in proper games. Like if City lost the community shield to Leicester, does that mean, does this mean Pep gives a fuck? Exactly that, right? You're going to, people would, people are like that nowadays. They're so reactionary. If Pep Guardiola loses the community shield, people are going to start telling you that Brendan Rodgers is a better manager than him. People are going to start telling you that Manchester City have regressed from last season when they won the Premier League because they got beaten by Leicester in a one-off meaningless friendly you're absolutely spot on um what else have we got here uh let's see uh let's pick out a few more uh comments here uh Robbie Harry I agree with you but we have seen a continuation of bang average performances performances do matter even when results do not I agree when you're talking about competitive fixtures And if we go through the entire preseason being boring, uninspiring and getting beaten, then you've got a a leg to stand on. And there's a there's a genuine basis to that argument. But for me here, you know, what you've got to think about with friendlies is how disjointed it all is, right? You're talking about a team who start with an 11 and probably make seven, eight changes at half time. When in a competitive match would you ever have that? Where would you have that disruption of making all those changes and then probably making another two or three more between the start of the second half and the end of the game? You would never get that disruption. Therefore, in a competitive fixture, you're looking for a flow. You're looking for a a, a rhythm. You're never going to get those things when you make so many changes. And it's why we don't have that many changes in competitive fixtures, or at least one of the uh, one of the reasons. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, uh, sorry to digress. That's fine, mate. Uh, if Xhaka is sold and then Elneny and Partey are playing in the African Cup of Nations, who the hell is playing in our midfield for the four weeks, uh, come early 2022? Yeah. Um, that's a great point. It, it, it really is. And, you know, you'd hope that Arsenal are going to make a couple of signings in that area. I've talked about it as being the area for me, uh, that is really, really important. Um, and yeah, I hope to see some recruits coming in so that we can at least live with that issue. Uh, when that does arise. Uh Shan says, I think us luck in a cutting edge in attack has continued, Harry. I think that is what is alarming people. I would argue, Shan, and I don't know if you saw the game, that in the second half, Arsenal created a ton of chances, just couldn't put them away. Um, you know, Thomas Partey hit the post from a free kick. N- Nicola Pepe missed the penalty. Uh, Nicholas Pepe had other chances to find the far corner. Emile Smith-Rowe had opportunities. Balogun had a couple. Lacazette had a couple too. So I don't think you can even say that on this in this particular friendly, if you are basing your opinion uh, on that or you're using it to, or, or, or you're suggesting that that run of a sort of poor football has continued. Arsenal actually, as an attacking force, looked quite good in the second half after the changes, after Willian came off, after Aubameyang came off, after Nketiah came off. We looked a completely different outfit. So I disagree with that. I, if you're looking for attacking play and, you know, good attacking play and movement and the creation of chances, I don't think you can say that we didn't make chances in that second period of that game. We didn't put them away. That's absolutely correct. Um, but, but you know, that's, that's a different discussion uh inter says uh, I genuinely hate the manager the football was boring and no different from last season we were told in may they had the plans ready for the new season we've done nothing and the game was shit. um I'm not gonna go over old ground again but stop reading into the game it doesn't mean that much it really doesn't if you don't like the football and you don't like the manager that's fine but to keep reading you you're you're hooked you're you're stuck on this game that nobody gives a shit about it with all due respect and and you're kind of latching onto it and making it into a big big deal so yeah I mean I, I wouldn't get too sort of bogged down by that as I've said um Michael Grayson says we had a goalkeeper make a bad mistake and the second goal was offside and not called how is that Arteta's fault um what else have we got here uh uh, Zeb Nice says, uh, I think it's pretty much confirmed. Emil Smith Rowe will get a number. What will be your preference, eight or ten? Oh, uh, if we don't bring in a number, number ten, who I like more, then we give him the number ten. Otherwise, the number eight for me. Uh, what else have we got here? A couple of you asking about Maitland Niles' performance. Uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier on, uh, so I'm not going to go over that again. Uh, but yeah, uninspiring uninspiring for me. Jan uh, Franco's dug out that Jose Mourinho quote. Thank you very much, mate. He says, here's the quote. Preseason is fake for good and for bad. If you're very bad, it's fake. If you're good too, it's fake. There you go. Jose Mourinho. Uh, what else have we got? Let's see uh, what you guys are saying first, actually, before I do that and get get a few more questions in uh, and we'll uh, we'll pick some of those up. Uh, between now and the end of the stream. We'll probably go for another sort of seven, eight minutes. Uh, Let's just see where we are in terms of likes at the moment. As I always say, they are very, very important for the channel. I can see there's over 200 of you watching right now across the multiple platforms, but we've only got 45 likes on YouTube. Let's get that up to as close to 100. You know what? Let's get it to 100 uh, between now and the end of the stream. It's very achievable. It's very doable, and it really helps the channel for sure. Also, just a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, if you're in need of a trim, if you're in need of trimming down that hedge, getting it sorted with the lockdown ease in, uh, if you want it to look as lush, hopefully not as green, though, as the Emirates Stadium pitch, then head over to manscaped.com. Check out their brilliant products. There's loads of stuff. Uh, to help you out in that department, Uh, all really good, high quality products at really reasonable prices. Head over to manscaped.com, use our discount code, which is 90min20, and you can even save yourself an extra 20%. uh, So you can get 20% off as well as free shipping on your order. Get involved, manscaped.com. Click on the link in the description. You'll be supporting not just the podcast, but Manscaped too. And we all need them, most of us. Why not? Check him out. All uh, right, let's go back over to the uh, chat box. Uh, Ridi Sarkar says, Lacazette looked quite sharp. What do you think about his future, Harry? Yeah, I, I did think he looked quite sharp in his movement, in his fitness. I thought there were a couple of moments still where it was a bit like, oh, come on, like, apply the finish, apply the finishing touch. You know, Lacazette, not the most prolific goal scorer. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but yeah, with his future, you know, it, it seems, doesn't it, that that Lacazette is is staying put. Obviously this will be his final year of contract. From my understanding there's been no significant offer or no offer at all to be honest. Uh coming in for Lacazette there's nothing that's convinced anybody or suggested to anybody that you know, he's going to be sold this summer. I think he will stay put. And I think if we, you know, if we keep him and Aubameyang, I think with the two of them, we can get by at center forward. You know, as I always say, you've got Balogun there in the wings. You've got, uh, Gabriel Martinelli who could potentially fill in in that position if need be as well. So I think he's a position that I'd like us in an ideal world to, to strengthen him, but it's not seen as a priority for me. I've got to be completely honest. Uh, but with his future, I think he stays put, um, I don't know if you'll see him maybe handed a a one-year extension uh, in the near future or whether that might happen midway through the season or if he'll just be allowed to run that contract down. But I think we will kick off uh, the 2021-22 campaign with Alexander Lacazette, uh, a very valuable member of the squad. Uh, Let's pick up a couple more bits. Um, Let's see what we've got. Ron Wolf says these toxic fans think Arteta is the only reason why the club finished eighth twice. Yeah, look, Arteta is part of the reason, but he's definitely not the only reason I I agree with that. Um, What else have we got here? Um, uh, James Rowe says that would another poor season make the Cronkies reconsider selling another poor season financially? might make the Cronkies consider selling, uh, but not from a sporting perspective. That's how I see it. Um, I think as long as the the money's there, as long as their asset maintains, you know, a certain percentage of his value, that they're, they're not going anywhere, if I'm honest. It's going to take a really big offer and a really tempting one uh, from Daniel Ek, who's obviously gone a little bit quiet again now uh, for anything to be done. But yeah, I, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up about them going. I, I really can't see it. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Jan Franco says, Cola, Kalasinac, Willian, Eddie and Ketia, Bellerin and Ainsley Maitland-Niles. How many do you think we will sell or loan by the end of the window? I think that Eddie and Ketia will probably go. I think that Bellerin and Maitland-Niles will go. I think that Willian and Kalasinac might, uh, just be part of that squad when we kick off the new season. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, uh, but that's just kind of my gut feel, uh, based on what we know at the moment. um, Saïd Abdullah says, thoughts on the young player, Henry Francis? First of all, they need to get the guy a shirt that fits him. It was huge, wasn't it? He had to tuck it in. Um, looked, like a, looked like a throwback to the early 90s, didn't he? Um, yeah, you know, really difficult to make a judgment on that sort of short, short appearance. But yeah, you know, for him to be... Uh, under consideration at that age and at this point obviously suggests that he's he's shown a lot that the club have high hopes for him and I look forward to seeing him develop but I couldn't give you a a, you know an informed view on someone that we only saw for a few minutes I've got to say Alex McCarthy says I'm still really worried about Arteta's issue of rotating every single game if you're worried about that in the premier league context i get it but you can't be worried about that based on what you saw today you just can't be because it is a game um, where changes were inevitable i don't think any yeah, i don't think any player on that pitch today in an arsenal shirt would have felt completely comfortable playing 90 minutes i know there were a couple that did but what i'm saying by that is i don't think those players would have you know would have been at the fitness level where they got through 90 minutes seamlessly. It is a pre-season friendly, you're going to get rotations and, um, you know, hopefully we, we do find a settled and established team um, in the Premier League. And, you know, we can build on that because I do agree with you that that was a bit of an issue with Arteta, but I also think that, and again, you're going to tell me I'm making excuses, but I also think part of that was trying to manage uh, some of the fitness of certain players. So, the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, who were uh, very sort of, uh, you know, susceptible to breaking down. You looked at people like Pukai Osaka, who played an incredible amount of minutes. You looked at people like uh, Lacazette and Abamyang managing that situation to give them both a chance um, to play in that centre-forward role, etc. So there were a lot of issues, the fact that the games were so compact and close together uh, because of everything that was going on with COVID that we were playing. Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, and where you'd normally get some breaks because of the, the the European calendar. Normally, we didn't have those because it was all squashed into a short period of time. So I do think rotation was uh, probably more necessary last season than it will be moving forward. And uh, fingers crossed, as I say, we can find that settled team and move forward in that way. Um, I'm going to pick out one more. I'm going to take this one from Kelvin Otumba who says, what's your opinion on the goalkeeping position? The goalkeeping position is one that Arsenal need to work on, right? We've got Berlino at the club. Contrary to what people have been sort of saying over the last few weeks, I don't expect him to leave. Uh, If he does, I'll be surprised. If he does, Arsenal need to spend big on a goalkeeper and bring one in who's ready straight away to fill those shoes. Not always been completely convinced about Bern Leno, but I also recognize it's going to take a significant investment to upgrade on him. And again, like many other positions that we've kind of touched on the world on, you know, over the last few weeks, is that the priority for me It's probably not. Um, But we certainly need a backup goalkeeper. Matty Ryan uh, has today joined Real Sociedad. Uh, So that is uh, a a, a no-go for Arsenal. Matty Ryan, uh, as uh, is headed for Spain, he will join up with Real Sociedad and he's going to be the number one uh, from what we're being told. So uh, you can understand why that move appealed to him. Arsenal not offering him an opportunity uh, or a contract or anything like that. But now we do need to bring somebody in because you look at Renarsson. Nobody sort of believes in him. The reason that Matty Ryan came in was because of a lack of belief in him. Um, you know, you look at a con quo, who I've we've talked about already, very young, very raw, still has a long way to go, not counting on him uh, at the highest level yet. I think it would be unfair to, if I'm honest. And so, yeah, we need, we need a goalkeeper. It's a position we definitely need to address, uh, even if it is just bringing in someone like Matty Ryan, who is in the position um, where they can... Uh, where they can add something to the squad and and sort of step in when called upon. Uh, I'll take this one from Nicholas. He says, any thoughts on the formation? Was this a bit of tinkering or just a run out for fitness? I do not for a second imagine that the ever pragmatic Mikel Arteta, who at times has played with back fives, who's played two man defensive midfield pivots, is going to switch it up to a 4-4-2. It's it's not going to happen. The formation was very fluid today. It changed uh, on a number of occasions during the match. It was different on the ball. It was different without the ball. I'm not, uh, I'm not believing, uh, not believing, I'm not reading into that at all. If I'm completely honest, it was about getting everybody minutes. It was about getting as many people uh, back on the line towards uh, match fitness and as such to fit some of those players in, I think he tinkered with the formation a little bit to accommodate that. And again, as I say, it's not something I'd read into, got to be honest. Right, I am going to leave it there. Uh, thank you uh, for all your interaction. Uh, thank you for all your comments, both the positive and the negative ones. Uh, it's all love, and um, it's great to uh, great to share views and opinions with you all. Uh, take care of yourselves. Make sure you've hit that like button if you haven't done so already. Uh, let's have a look. Where are we on that? Let's just check in before we uh, before we jump off. So we have got. Uh, over 215 of you watching us now, uh, but we're nowhere near our like target. So hit the like button if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you wish to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. I'll catch you all very, very soon with more Arsenal content. Until next time, take care.